0: Good morning, brothers and sisters. What a blessing it is to begin the new year together in worship of our triune God and Heavenly Father. We extend a warm welcome to all members and visitors who have joined us this morning here in church, and also to those who are with us via the live stream. May we all be comforted and encouraged by the preaching of the gospel, and may God be praised and glorified by our worship. This morning, the worship service will be led by Brother D. Pott, Before we begin, let us sing together from Psalm 107, verse 1. You're able, please arise and let us worship the Lord. Let us confess our dependence on the Lord with the words of Psalm 124, verse 8. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. And the Lord greets us with grace be unto us and peace from God the Father. And from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Congregation, let us sing together from Psalm 23, verse 1 and 2. congregation let us now listen to God's holy law which God gave to the people of Israel on Mount Sinai but also speaks to us today these same words. And God spoke all these words saying I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery you shall have no other gods before me or anything that is your neighbor. And in response, let us sing together another psalm which also speaks about the shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd, Psalm 80, the verses 1 and 8. Let us now humble ourselves and go to the Lord in prayer and ask the Lord for a blessing upon this worship service. Merciful God and Father in heaven. How wonderful. How wonderful it is that we may be here this Sunday morning, the first day of the week, and even the very first day of the year. That we may be in your presence again to worship you this morning. That we may praise you with our songs. That we may bring our sacrifices to you and to listen to what you have to say to us. And we thank you Lord for the freedom we have. That also this morning we can meet with you and meet with one another. Without any form of restrictions, while in other parts of the world, there is no freedom. We know that there are countries where there is persecution. Causing a lot of anxiety. Causing fear and sometimes even death. We thank you, Lord, for your word which you have given us. Your word by which you wish to guide us to instruct us, to admonish us, and to comfort us. Lord, we've just listened to you, Holy law. We've listened to the commandments by which you instruct us how we should live before you. And we must confess that also in the year just past, on many occasions we've trampled upon those commandments, we've ignored them, and we have disobeyed them. And we have done things and said things and even thought things which you have expressly forbidden. Father, we in humbleness we plead for your forgiveness. Forgiveness for all the sins which we have committed. The sins, the sins which we remember. But also the sins which we have already forgotten. Forgotten. We pray for forgiveness of sins of selfishness. Sexual sins we have engaged in. Sins of idolatry. So easily we bow down before the same gods as the world does. Materialism, money, sex and sports. Father, will you give us hearts of wisdom and a spirit of humility that these things do not become dominant in our lives. Father, will you now bless us as we open your word. Bless us in reading and listening that indeed our worship may be acceptable in your eyes. That we as your people may be instructed, edified, and that you may be glorified by means of our worship. Hear us, we pray, in the name of our Lord. Risen Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. The scripture reading this morning we find in three passages and they all deal with the Lord being our shepherd, the great shepherd and the chief shepherd. And we first turn to John, the Apostle John chapter 10, the verses 11 to 18. John 10, verse 11 to 18, where the Lord speaks himself as being the good shepherd. So we start reading from verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd... This charge I have received from my father. Thus far, now we turn to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13, the verses 17 to 21. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give accounts. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good, that you may do this his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Finally, we turn to the letter of Peter, 1 Peter 1, chapter 5, the first four verses, which is a charge to the office bearers, which is also found in the ordination form for Elders and deacons. Chapter 5 verse 1. So I exhort the elders among you as fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ. As well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercising oversight. Not under compulsion. But willingly. As God would have you. Not for shameful gain. But eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Thus far, the scripture reading. The sermon which I read was made by the late Reverend C. Stan, who served the church, the Canadian Reformed Church in Hamilton. And the text which he has chosen for the sermon is the first part of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. In response to the sermon, we'll sing together from Psalm 23, verse 3. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters. This morning we want to devote some time to the message of Psalm 23. This Psalm 23 is perhaps the most well-known passage in the Bible. And it is used by many people all over the world, even non-Christians especially in times of grief and in times of need. How often, for example, at a funeral is this psalm not read so that everyone may derive some comfort from these words? There is a danger, of course, in preaching about such a well-known passage because what could I possibly say this morning about this psalm that you don't know already before? And therefore do not expect from me this morning any new or deep insights never before discovered. Besides, we have our own fond feelings about such well-known passages. And we do not like these feelings heard by remarks which we find are impertinent. Still, regardless of the dangers, it is good that we take such a well-known passage and explore it a little further. Perhaps we may see by God's grace that our riches are even greater than we imagined. And I may add here a personal note. During the past few years, I have often turned myself to this psalm because I was in need of comfort. And I was wondering about its contents, reading material available on this psalm, seeking to discover anew what it means for me. That the Lord is my shepherd. It was true for David in a certain time and a certain manner. But in what sense is it true for me? In what sense is it true for us today? How can we, with the same sense of surety today, say, the Lord is my shepherd? The psalm poses a problem for us because we in Canada and Australia, we are, not all, we are not a people very well acquainted with shepherds, not like the people in Israel. Some of the analogies may fully escape us, actually. Therefore, I was very fortunate to find a little commentary on this psalm written by a scholar of the Old Testament studies who had grown up on a sheep farm and had actually spent 12 years of his youth as a shepherd. Looking after sheep and to my delight I learned that the author Reverend J. Douglas Macmillan is or was a serving pastor in one of the churches in Scotland and I was privileged to meet him in person and we may draw some benefits from his experience from his insight from his wisdom. And when we look at Psalm 23 in its entirety, you can wonder if perhaps the psalm does not paint a too idyllic a scene. Well fed, well rested sheep, laying contentedly in a grassy paddock beside still waters. With a shepherd quietly sitting on a rock looking down upon them. Carefully keeping watch. We've had a worry in the world is that what life is really like but what about the cold raw realities of sin sickness and even death what about the struggle for material and spiritual survival in a world full of evil so is this some um, realistic and I could point out that the Psalm does, not, does include the harsh realities of life. Mention is made of the valley of the shadow of death in verse 4. And we read about the enemies in verse 5. That someone will say, maybe, yes, they are mentioned, yes, but only as vanquished foes who pose no real problem. Walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, no problem. Enemies, what enemies? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, no problem. Can a psalm which speaks so lightly about death and enemies be credible? Even the young people in our midst would possibly say, come on, get real. These are serious things. Death. And all that comes with it, as well as enemies, and there are quite a few of them. Indeed, the psalm does not speak lightly of these things at all. David probably wrote this psalm in In a time of great trial and stress, facing death and facing enemies. And he does not make light of them at all. But it does speak about all this in a certain way. Namely, from the sure perspective that in all this, the Lord is my shepherd. And that, brothers and sisters, makes all the difference. Therefore, today we want to have a closer look at the opening words of this psalm. For these words set the tone for what follows later on. The Lord is my shepherd. That is the main statement. Now there are a number of things which we must observe about this opening statement. First of all, please notice that it is not a pious wish. Oh, I wish that the Lord were my shepherd. No, there are people who take it that way. They may agree that the Lord can be likened to be a shepherd. But they are not sure at all whether he is their shepherd. Some will even say... We first need some specific experience before we can confidently say the Lord is my shepherd. They will not speak in such personal terms as David did. The Lord is my shepherd. My very own. Secondly this statement the Lord is my shepherd is completely unconditional. David does not write the Lord is my shepherd if. I shall not want, or because I do not want. You see, many people, maybe we as well, might be willing to recognize the Lord as our shepherd if and when he meets certain conditions. If he takes care of me in the way I like it, then he is my shepherd. And if he doesn't, then I'm not so sure. The Lord is my shepherd. Do you see that this is an unconditional confession of faith? This is for David the basic reality of his entire life. Because the Lord is his shepherd, David can say with absolute certainty, I shall not want, I fear no evil. You have to say the first few words of the psalm in faith before you can believe the rest of the psalm. And if you do not believe the first few words, the rest becomes meaningless, if not laughable. The Lord is my shepherd. That's a statement of faith. You can say that because you know him, he is no stranger to you. And his knowing is not just a matter of intellectual knowledge. I know that he exists. But also of intimate knowledge. I know him personally and I experience his nearness. I know him. I am well acquainted with him. He is no stranger to me. As someone once wrote, you have to know the shepherd or the psalm in order to understand the psalm about the shepherds. Do you follow that? If you know him by faith, you will say, indeed, this is exactly how it is. This psalm indeed describes my life because I have the same, the very same shepherds. And I said earlier we are not so accustomed to the imagery of a shepherd and sheep. We are not a nomadic pastoral people. But the Israelites were quite used to speaking about God as their shepherds. The theme of the shepherd can be found throughout the Old and New Testaments. I want to mention one passage in particular from the Old Testament. Perhaps even the very first passage where God is referred to in terms of a shepherd. In Genesis 48, we read how Jacob, and there he was called Israel, blesses the sons of Joseph. Then we read in verse 15, and he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked... The God who has led me all my life long to this day. The God who has led me all my life to this day. Notice that expression. The old King James Version even says, The God which fed me. He fed me all my life long. Led and fed me. The original text, the Hebrew has, The God who has shepherded me all my life. Shepherded, that is the root verb. For the task of a shepherd is to lead and to feed. To lead his flock to a good pasture where they can feed and rest. And what does Jacob say then? The Lord, the God of my fathers has always been my shepherd. My whole life long, every day again. He led me and fed me. He took care of all my needs. The only times I was in trouble were when I did not recognize or follow his leadership. And Jacob knew what he was talking about, for he was himself a shepherd. He knew precisely what shepherding involved. And there you have the first time the confession is made that the Lord is my shepherd. Looking back at the end of his life, Jacob says, I've always been led and fed by the Lord. And he was always with me. And the consequences? The same shepherd is the only hope for the sons of Joseph. Verse 16. The angel who has redeemed me from all evil. Bless these sons. And the theme of the shepherd then echoes throughout the Old Testament. Many Psalms speak about it. I'll mention, for example, Psalm 74, Psalm 78, Psalm 79. And Psalm 80. The prophets spoke about it. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and even the minor prophets all prophesied of the Lord who is the shepherd of his people. This theme, then, of the shepherd does not fade away in the New Testament. On the contrary, this whole teaching about the shepherd comes together in Jesus Christ. What we must confess, therefore, as New Testament church is, read this psalm in the light of the New Testament, for it speaks so eminently to us of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But before we do this, however, we should not forget the immediate context of the Psalm 23 within the book of Psalms itself. And I want to point out something to you with respect to the immediate context and then relate this to the New Testament passages which we read together. But you have to follow me very closely and carefully to get what I'm going to say now. Psalm 23 does not stand on its own, but it is in the book of Psalms. And what precedes Psalm 23? Of course, Psalm 22. And what comes after Psalm 23? Yes, you guessed it, Psalm 24. Simple stuff, right? But there is an amazing line in these Psalms. 22, 23, 24. Psalm 22 is a well-known psalm which has also been related very closely to Jesus Christ. It contains the words which he cried out on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It is known as the psalm on the cross. And in this psalm Jesus Christ is revealed to us as the one who will give his life for our sins. Psalm 24 is also a psalm which can very properly be related to the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is a psalm which asks who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can stand before God? And the answer is... Lift up your heads, O ancient oars, the King of glory may come in. And who is the King of glory? The Apostle Paul refers in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 8 to Jesus Christ, as the Lord of glory. Psalm 24 then may be called the psalm of the crown. So we have Psalm 22, Christ in his suffering, and Psalm 24, Christ in his glory. And in between this we have Psalm 23. Christ who as a shepherd guides his flock. And what stands in between Christ's suffering and death and his coming in glory? His resurrection, his ascension and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The shepherd who from heaven gathers his flock by his rod and his staff. It may be interesting for you to note that an old English word for a rod or staff is a crook. That's a staff with a curved, a crooked ending. We'll get back to that word sometime in the future, the Lord willing. Well, there was a famous Scottish minister called Vinlayson who once linked these three Psalms as follows. Psalm 22 the cross, Psalm 23, the crook, Psalm 24, the crown. Cross, crook, and crown. Christ in his suffering, Christ in his gathering, Christ in his glory. Christ, who on the basis of his atoning suffering, Psalm 22, gathers his church as a shepherd, Psalm 23. And leads them to eternal glory, Psalm 24. Is that not a remarkable perspective on the relation between these three Psalms? This also tells us something not only about the shepherd of Psalm 23, but also about the flock, the sheep mentioned in Psalm 23. It is the people bound for glory. But the only way to become part of that people is to go via the cross. The flock is gathered from around the cross. If I want to be part of that flock, then I must recognize my sins and seek refuge in the saving work of Jesus Christ. To say it with Professor McMillan's words, you can only get into Psalm 23 via Psalm 22. And if you will never get into Psalm 24, the day of glory and perfection, unless you go via Psalm 23, the shepherd who guides his flock and gathers his church. As Jesus said in the New Testament, I am the door of the sheepfold. No one enters but by me. Do you now see the specific context of Psalm 23? Of the opening line, the Lord is my shepherd. We are speaking here of Jesus Christ, who died for you, for me. And now by his power as risen Lord leads us. And one day will come again in glory. This becomes even more clear when we now go to the New Testament passages, which identify Jesus Christ as the shepherd of the flock. We read three passages from scripture in our readings. And we will briefly look at each one of them. But note already now how these three passages each speak of Christ as a shepherd in a very specific manner. John chapter 10. The good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And that corresponds with Psalm 22. Hebrews 13 The great shepherd who has risen from the dead and equips his church with all that is needed. That corresponds with Psalm 23. 1 Peter 5. The chief shepherd who will grant us the unfading crown of glory. That corresponds with Psalm 24. You see, Christ is not merely called in the New Testament our shepherd, but he is proclaimed as the good Shepherd. The great shepherds and the chief shepherds. Three beautiful adjectives describing the beauty and the power of his shepherdship. Let us now turn to John 10. It's the well-known chapter about the good shepherds. Look at verse 11. I am the good shepherd." Now remember every Jew who heard this saying knew that only God was the shepherd of Israel. And especially to say the good shepherds, did not Christ himself once say, only God is good? That means, with this saying, Jesus declared himself to be God. The Jews understood Christ perfectly well on that point, for later we read in the same chapter, verse 31 to 33, that they took up stones to stone him, because he, in their view, had committed blasphemy. You being a man, you make yourself God. I am the good shepherd. And the word good here means to have always the well-being of the sheep in mind. To go to the utmost for the sake of the sheep. Who are entirely in his care. A good shepherd is fully responsible for his sheep. And also accepts that responsibility completely. No matter the personal cost. Indeed the greatest sacrifice which can be given. Will be given. Verse 11 again. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's the theme of Psalm 22. And Christ repeats this in verse 15 and 17. I lay down my life for the sheep. That is how far he goes in his care and in his love for the flock. Nobody else is prepared to make such a sacrifice. And notice how Jesus emphasizes that he is not forced to make this sacrifice or does so reluctantly. But he does it voluntarily with intense desire and purpose. Nobody takes his life but he gives it. No one snatches it from him but he lays it down on his own accord. Many shepherds in the past have only fed themselves. As soon as there is a personal danger to them, they run and flee. But not the good shepherd. For he will place his own life between the sheep and the enemies. He gives everything he can give. See, that is the background of Psalm 23, brothers and sisters. The Lord is my shepherd. He gave everything for me. Even his own life. How can we ever doubt such a shepherd? Is it not clear that under such a shepherd I shall not want? Let us now go to Hebrews 13. In the letter to the Hebrews, the church is urged and exhorted not to become weary in the struggle of faith, but to continue on in battle. And we can do this, not in ourselves. But only because we have a great high priest in heaven. And then in Hebrews 13 verse 20 we read this wonderful verse. Now may the God of peace who brought back again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ. The great shepherd of the sheep. By the blood of an eternal covenant equip you with everything good. That you may do his will. The God of peace. The God who reconciled us to himself and made peace with us. And how did he do that? Through the blood of an eternal covenant. The blood which flowed at the cross. This God has given us, the risen Lord, a great shepherd. And the adjective great here means one who is alive and powerful. Jesus Christ is not a dead leader who can only be fondly remembered. But he is a living shepherd. A living shepherd who has all power in heaven and on earth. He died for us. But he lives today and forever. And he is always able to care for us. The shepherd, it says, the great one. Before whom all enemies must fall. With who all sheep are safe. You see. That brothers and sisters. That is the shepherd. Of Psalm 23. The great shepherd who provides. In all the needs of his flock. In Hebrews 13 says. He equips us with everything good. Who has redeemed us. From sin and death. And now guides us. Through this life. By his almighty power. Psalm 23 is the psalm about the great shepherd who once was slaughtered as a lamb but now is standing in glory at God's right hand and gives us all we need to serve God. And that, brothers and sisters, determines the whole tone of the psalm. And this great shepherd of Psalm 23 is also the chief shepherd. And let us now turn to that last passage in 1 Peter 5. Peter he is speaking to the elders, the under shepherds of the flock. He is urging them to be faithful and true, willing and eager, not domineering, serving the flock, not exploiting it. And then comes first four. And when the chief shepherd is manifested, you will obtain the unfading crown of glory from the cross. He will lead by his crook to the unfading crown. And now we are back at Psalm 24. He will lead us to glory. Psalm 23 speaks of this as we will consider another time. This promise is given here to the elders of the church. But it does not exclude the entire, exclude the entire congregation. The whole entire flock will share in the glory of Christ And will stand before God on his holy mountain. The chief shepherd. The one who is the head of all the shepherds. Who oversees and directs the entire project. Who is the final say, the ultimate authority and the guaranteed access to the throne. He is the one who will see to it that we, brothers and sisters, receive the crown of glory. And when he comes in glory, he will bring with him his entire flock, all his saints. And the gates and the arches will lift up their heads while the ancient doors rise up and wait. And all will stand to attention in honor, in honor of him who comes in glory. And the question is asked, who is that king of glory great? There is only one answer. The Lord of hosts. Him we await, the Lord, He is the King of glory. Well, brothers and sisters, Psalm 23 is about the great shepherd who has risen from the dead after sacrificing himself for our sins, and who now in his power is leading his church to glory. We want to know more about this great shepherd who equips us, as Hebrews 13 says throughout his life and one day will place us without blemish before the throne of God the shepherd of whom Jacob already said he has led and fed me all the days of my life even until now this Lord is my shepherd my very own make that your confession our shepherd for he has a great flock and we, we shall forever praises render to you, our Shepherd and our great defender. We as your flock, your chosen generation, your chosen congregation shall give you thanks through every generation. Amen. Let us thank and pray to the Lord together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that we were allowed to listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd who has led and fed us also throughout the past year. The good shepherd who has laid down his life. For our salvation. We pray. That we together as we stand on the threshold of another year. We may trust him. As our Shepherd. Always, in all circumstances and situations of life, that even when we do go through valleys of gloom, sickness and death, and we have many questions as to why does this happen to us, Give us the assurance that you, Father, have all the answers to our questions. Because you are shepherding us every day and every night of our lives. You never sleep, you never slumber, and you are always watching over us. And we may be assured that we are bound for glory that that knowledge may comfort us every day also of this coming year. We pray for our congregation here in Southern River. Grant us all young and old a good measure of wisdom. Grant us humility. Grant us love for you and for each other. That also during this new year we may together grow in wisdom, grow in love for you. We understand and we realize, Father, that there are also brothers and sisters in our congregation who are sick. And those who are under doctor's care. Be with those brothers and sisters who are receiving treatments. And be it your will, grant that that treatment may also be effective under your blessing. We also pray on this day, especially for our missionaries. Be with Pastor Ryan, his wife Ruth, and their children, Pastor David and Erica, and their two children, and also for brother and sister Ben and Marinda. Father, especially on days such as these, special days, special feast days, they must miss their relatives, their family. Father, will you be a shepherd to them as well? Will you be their father? That they may know themselves to be safe under your care. And we pray, Lord especially for our Pastor Ryan and Pastor David, and also in the coming year, they may continue to proclaim the gospel to many hundreds of people in P&G, so that many more may come to that glorious line of salvation in Jesus Christ. Lord, will you grant them their blessing, that I may proclaim your word in all its faithfulness, in all its fullness, and that they may do it with joy and dedication, Father, watch over us the rest of this day, give us a good time of fellowship together and hear our prayer in Jesus name. Amen now you have the opportunity to give you gifts for the work of mission in p and g and after The collections have been taken. We'll sing together from hymn 56. The verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. Hymn 56, verse 1, 2, 3, and 4. Lift up your hearts unto God, receive the blessing of the Lord and go in peace. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.